when we sing something like that, we need you every hour, we need you. Um, sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect, I think, for us in that. Uh, it's easy for us to be people who, man, we, we recognize we need God when uh, the, the doctor's diagnosis comes back and it's not good or when we've lost someone we've loved or when we're going through a really difficult financial time. But this idea that we need God every hour is really a biblical truth. It's just one that's kind of difficult for us to wrap our minds around, I think, sometimes because uh, a lot of times we're kind of trained to just go, oh, I got this. Like, God, I'll, I'll tag you in. I'll, when, when I don't have it, but I've got this under control. We'll come back to that thought in a little bit in my sermon. Today we're starting a series on Romans. We'll be in Romans uh, at least through the end of February. I think it actually carries us into the first week of March. So about eight or nine weeks, nine weeks. Here's what we have on tap today. Our theology is this. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel by faith. Our application today is this. We are unashamed of the gospel for it has given us life and righteousness. We are unashamed of the gospel for it has given us life and righteousness. And our prayer today is, God, we thank you that our righteousness is a matter of faith in the gospel. And we ask that you would give us boldness and our love for you. Join me, if you would, please, in Romans 1, not only Romans 1, but I'll also be in Galatians 3 for a little bit if you want to join me there later. Romans 1 is where we will start as we start this look at Romans, which will take us about nine weeks, which is insane because some people like Katie, who have been with us for a long time, remember how long it took us to get through Romans before. Uh, and, and so nine weeks, Katie, if you can believe that. I know it's insane. It is, it is only by the grace of God. Uh, because I'm long-winded. See, here's why I'm long-winded, because I do these things. It's uh, editorial commentary, you know? Author's notes. <laughs> that's why you come. I heard somebody say that. Yeah, that's why you come. All right, if that works for you, man, keep on coming. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel of faith. This is a message that will sound familiar to you if you've been coming out here for any length of time because it is something that I really want us to grab hold of, that our righteousness is a matter of faith. I, I want to read here uh, Romans 1, 16 through 23, and I will go ahead and tell you that 16 and 17 is where we'll spend the bulk of our time. Uh, 18 through 23 is really depressing. I'm not avoiding it because it's depressing, but I'm avoiding it because it doesn't pertain to us directly. It pertains to the world directly and to us indirectly. But verses 16 and 17 pertain to us directly. And so Romans 1, beginning in verse 16, Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile or to the Greek. For in it, that's in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Some of yours will say by faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God has been made plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they, the unrighteous and the wicked, are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they became foolish in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling men and birds and animals and creeping things. In your thought process, this text is divided into two sections, 16 and 17, says that the righteousness of God is revealed to people who believe in him, who put their faith in him. And then 18 through 23 says the wrath of God is revealed to those who choose to reject him. Those are two categories of people. You are not in both categories, okay? You are not in both categories. This text does not holistically apply to you. 16 and 17 applies to those who believe in God and believe the good news of God. 18 through 23 applies to those who have rejected God, okay? A couple of things that I just want you to note. Uh, When it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul is speaking here about Jesus. He's speaking, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is commonly in different commentaries and amongst different preaching circles considered the best summation of the gospel. It's good. It's really good. I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's really good. Uh, I only, only don't know, don't ask me later what my favorite is. There's just too many of them. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, Paul says, I delivered to you what was of most importance, the first importance, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And that it was buried, and then on the third day rose from the dead. And I saw him later, and some of the other apostles saw him. 500 other believers saw him. So when Paul talks about the gospel, he's talking about Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And that righteousness and that life can be found in him. Interesting note is that the gospel, uh, the, the, the word in your Bible that's gospel, talk to me Wednesday night about the etymology of that. Super interesting. I won't give you all of it right now. Here's what I'll say is in its original usage, it means a good message that earned a reward. That's what it literally means. A good message that earned a reward. So if, if I was a king and you brought me a good message, I was like, man, that's a good message. Here's your reward. That's what the gospel is, a message that brings a reward for it, okay? So when when Paul says the gospel, he is saying, I've got a good message for you that brings a reward. There's a good message that brings a reward, and that good message is Jesus loves you and died for you and was raised from the dead. So whenever somebody goes, what's the gospel? Quite simply, a good message that brings a reward, in this case, the good message of Jesus. That's what it is, okay? Uh, we can talk more about that on Wednesday if you're interested. I won't bore you with it intentionally. Uh, verse 17, in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God, sorry, let me back up to verse 16. I skipped one thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or also to the Gentile. This doesn't make a lot of sense in our culture, but in the first century when Paul's writing this, it's important to note that the Jews believed salvation was only for them. They didn't believe it was for everybody else. The Jews believed salvation was for them alone. And Paul's correcting that and saying the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for everyone who believes. Sure, first for the Jews, because Jesus was a Jew and it came to the Jews, but then everyone else, which is great news for us because unless I don't, I mean, I don't know everybody's, you know, history here and and their ancestry, but I don't think there's probably any Jews in here. If you are, awesome. Gospel was for you first. And then for all the rest of us who are Gentiles, I'm I'm Scottish French and my mom's side is all German. Funkhauser, right? Very German name, right? 
uh, is my mom's side. And, and so I'm Scottish French, and so say Douglas with like phlegm stuck in your throat, and it makes it sound way cooler, you know? Uh, and, and so you got to like kind of, man, I'm telling you, I've been practicing my Scottish accent. One day I'll just, I won't ever do this for real, but one day I would love to preach an entire sermon just in a Scottish accent because it, it just makes it sound better. It just does. Like, can you imagine, right? Like, can you imagine being like, do you believe in Christ? Christ the Lord God with all your heart. Like, man, isn't that just better? That's just better, you know? Put your faith in Christ. I'm calling you to the Lord, you know? Like, oh, it's just so good. So we're Gentiles. So we Gentiles, we ridiculous Gentiles, the gospel is for us too. And so Paul says the gospel is, is the power of God for salvation for anyone and everyone who believes. Keep that in mind. Everyone who believes uh, receives salvation. And then he says this, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith or by faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Three things I want you to gather from this one verse here, right? The word revealed is a really interesting word. It's made up of two Greek words. Again, I won't give you the whole history, but it literally means to take off the cover, to take off the top. So think of a pot and you're taking it off. In Greek, it's apocalypse. So when people talk about the apocalypse, they always talk about it in a negative way. But the Greek doesn't talk about it always in a negative way. It just means to uncover what was hidden, to uncover the pot. That's literally all it means. Uh, so we talk about when's the apocalypse coming? Is there gonna like? Wouldn't it be awesome? It would be kind of funny to write a book or a movie about the apocalypse, and it was about something that you couldn't find, and then you found it at the very end. It's like super simple, because it just means the uncovering of those things that were hidden. And so the. the God's righteousness, I want you to get this, God's righteousness is uncovered. God's righteousness is revealed through faith, through the gospel. God's righteousness is uncovered and revealed. Uh, we made chicken and dumplings this past week. We love chicken and dumplings in our house. We don't make it nearly often enough, but it just feels like a fall kind of meal. I want to make it feel like an every week kind of meal because it's so good. Um, but the way we do it, and I'm sure I don't know how you do it. I don't, I don't, I have one view of chicken and dumplings, so I don't know what chicken and dumplings are like in the world. But in our house, chicken and dumplings like simmers for like an hour and a half in the, in the pot, right? And when you go and you lift it off and that kind of just, oh, and you look down in there and it's all thickening and bubbling and you're just like, man, that is going to be so good. And, and I don't know if you do this on purpose or not. I let some of the noodles kind of cook to the bottom a little bit because I like them a little brown on the bottom of the pot. That, give me the brown ones, you know? Mmm, good. The chicken and dumplings are revealed right? When you take the lid off, okay, God's righteousness is revealed, what? God's righteousness is revealed through our faith. We believe and therefore righteousness is shown. Now you'll notice in verse 18 that what reveals, what uncovers God's wrath is disbelief. So God's wrath is uncovered through disbelief. God's righteousness and salvation uncovered through belief. You'll notice that in neither case is it based off of works, God's wrath is not based on works. God's righteousness is not based on works. God's righteousness is uncovered to those who believe. God's wrath is uncovered to those who disbelieve. It is about faith or lack thereof. That is always what we're talking about. That's one thing I want you to note from uh, verse 17. The second thing I want you to note is where it says, by faith, for faith. Essentially what it means is starting with faith and finishing with faith. Starting with faith and finishing with faith. God's righteousness is revealed through faith, 
starting with faith and finishing with faith. We'll get to that in just a minute, and I'll explain that a little bit more. And then in verse, at the end of verse 17, he says, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is a quote from Habakkuk 2.4. Here's what's going on, and here's what I want us to comprehend, okay? God's righteousness is not a matter of our works. God's righteousness is not a matter of our works. Salvation is not a matter of our works. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel by our belief, by our faith, okay? And here's why that matters, and I think it, like, especially kind of matters, not especially, especially matters all the time. I think it's poignant right now because at this time of year, a lot of us are thinking, like Micah was saying, Micah just rolls with the year, you know? But a lot of the rest of us are thinking about, like, goals that we have for this year. Usually our goals or our resolutions are based off of our perceived failures from last year. I didn't do this thing very well last year, and so I want to do better this year. I, wasn't, I didn't spend as much time in the Word, so I'm going to spend more time in the Word. I didn't memorize as much Bible as I should have, so I'm going to memorize. I'm going to get better at praying. How many of you have already decided to read more books this year? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Because you didn't read as many books last year as you thought you should have or whatever. Like, what we do is we take our perceived failures, and then we turn them into really ambitious goals. And we're like, yay, you know? But what we do, unfortunately, is we apply the same thinking to our relationship with God. And we go, look at how I failed God this week. Look at how I failed God this past year. Look at how I failed God. Look, I haven't been the kind of Christian I needed to be. And so our response to that is, here are all the things I'm going to do differently. And then guess what happens a week in or a month in or two months in? You feel like a failure again, right? The righteousness of God is revealed not by our behavior, but the righteousness of God is revealed by our faith, by the work of Christ, the gospel, the good news. So we get to say this. We get to say, listen, God, I believe in you. I, I, I believe that you are the one who provides our righteousness. I believe that you are the one who gives us life. I believe that you are the one who gives us freedom and forgiveness. And our faith, then, is in Christ. Flip over, if you would, to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, Paul's going to quote this text again from Habakkuk 4, uh, and then the author of Hebrews quotes it as well in Hebrews 10, which I'll go into a little bit more on Wednesday night. We just we don't have time to do that today. But Galatians 3, verse 9, Paul says this, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written. Okay, so catch this. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So there's a blessing and a curse. The blessing for those who, who have put their faith in God, and then a curse for those who are seeking to do it on their own. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Catch this for a minute here. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. We have this mindset as Christians that there are certain things we're supposed to be about, certain things we're supposed to do. Uh, when I was growing up and then early on in my preaching, I was, I was taught often uh, like it's about reading your Bible, it's about how much you pray, it's about how much scripture you memorize, all these kinds of things. Reminder to you, just a quick reminder to you to put it in context that, that probably, I'm guesstimating here, but I would argue that probably half the believers in the world 
don't have the scripture. They don't have the Bible. Or, or they're in, in, like India's a big place. India's like one-sixth of the entire world population, right? And they don't, the, the believers who are there, a lot of them don't have the Bible in their language in the different villages that they're in. There's, so many, there's like 2,000 different uh, dialects there in India. So here's the, here's the point I'm making. God doesn't say, God doesn't say you need to read your Bible to be a good Christian. God doesn't say that. We've said that. God doesn't say you've got to pray to read or, or you've got to pray to be a good Christian. We say that. We show up at church and we figure out what are the things that we need to do to be better Christians? What are the things that we need to do to be better husbands and better wives and better parents? What are the things that we need to do to be better to the people in our, in our sphere of influence? For God to show us his righteousness, for God's righteousness to be given to us, for salvation and righteousness to be uncovered, there is one requirement for us, and that is believe. We put our faith in the work of God through Jesus. In John chapter 6, as the people are following Jesus around, he's just fed them uh, the day before with fish and bread, and now they're following him to get more food, and they say, what good work must we do to inherit eternal life? And he says this, the work that my God requires of you is to believe the one he sent. That's it. That is what God requires of you. I don't know if being a Christian is wearisome to you. It really wore me out. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I love Christ. Being an American Christian wore me out. It just did. Because, every, like, there's, there's, there's always a new resolution. There's always a new goal. There's always something else you've got to be better at. And what I'm inviting you to, what I believe Paul is inviting you to, is to rest in God. To say, I've uncovered God's righteousness. How? How did you do it? You believed. I believed. Now, you're going to ask me then, and it's a great question, and I appreciate it. You're going to ask me then, but aren't there certain things we're supposed to be doing? Isn't there a way that we're supposed to behave? Great question. Thank you for asking it. Here's the answer. Your behavior, my behavior, does not impact or implement righteousness. You reading your Bible more, memorizing more scripture, praying harder, does not change or shape righteousness. Because righteousness is a matter of faith. How do we get the righteousness of God? I believe. What do you believe? I believe the gospel. What's the gospel? It is a good news that has a reward. What is that? It is that Jesus is God, that he loved me, that he died for me, that he was raised from the dead, and that he's coming back again. Oh, wow, that's good news. And that if I believe in him, I am forgiven. I am righteous. I am sanctified. I am... We can talk about that later. I shouldn't have done that. Wow, wrench right in the monkey works. You're going to have some questions. My mistake uh, shouldn't have... Open that. Y'all going, I got questions already. <laughs> yeah, it's an apocalypse. We take the top off. Take the top off the pot. <laughs> the apocalypse. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Here's the thing. Some of you are going, look, Ryan, Ryan, but what? aren't I supposed to behave a certain way? Hear me. We have been taught in our Christian circles. We've been taught by every Christian self-help book, every one of them. Not every one of them. That's unfair. I haven't read all of them. We've been taught by a lot of them, right, that the way that God is pleased with you is by doing this list of things. We have been taught 
that our behavior shapes our righteousness. Wrong. Righteousness is revealed to us because we believe, because of our faith. And get this, Christian, you're wondering, but shouldn't we behave a certain way? Catch this. The righteousness you have revealed now, the righteousness that you have unpacked and that you have, you have now because you believe, that righteousness will shape your behavior. We've gotten it wrong as Christians. We think, I need to shape my behavior so I can be righteous. We need to believe in God and believe that God shapes our behavior. The behavior is the result of righteousness, not the product. Not Righteousness is not the product of the behavior. Behavior is the result of righteousness. We've gotten that so backwards. And, and I know that maybe there's something inside you kicking against that, but we can talk about it. I'd really love to, okay? But not right now because I'm preaching. So in a few minutes, maybe. So Paul says this in Galatians. He says that, that we who are of the faith are blessed. Those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Here's why. Here's why the Christian self-help books, here's why the kind of teaching that says, do this so God can be pleased with you, here's why it fails. Listen, cursed is everyone. This is what the law says. Cursed is everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law. That's why you're cursed. So somebody says, I'm trying to be better in these three areas. No. If you're trying to be better in these three areas, the law says you have to be perfect in all of them. There's no room for better in the law. There's only a space for perfect in the law. And not just perfect in the one or two things you want to be better at, perfect in everything. The law says be perfect in everything. That's actually from Ezekiel 18, that if you are perfect in everything, you can have righteousness. No wonder the law is called a curse. I pick my one or two things that I want to be better at. I'm going to be better at Bible reading this year. My goodness. Then be a scribe who writes it out day after day so you can have it memorized. Like, it's not just enough to read it for a few. Like, there's always more you can do, right? You've got to be perfect. You've got to be perfect in your grace. You've got to be perfect in your love. You've got to be perfect in the way you conduct yourself and what you eat and don't eat. And if we're going to be law people, all of us have already failed because I guarantee you the clothes you're wearing are made of at least two different fibers. And Leviticus, <laughs> Leviticus says that's a sin. So we've already screwed up today. The law is a curse because no one can be perfect. So here's one means to righteousness. Do everything perfectly. And you go, wow, Ryan, that's a bit exhausting. Hang on. I have good news for you. The good news is that God loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die for you, his blood shed to wash away your sins, his resurrection to overthrow the power of sin and death. And if you believe that, you're righteous. Those are the two choices. Some of you are going into this new year going, man, God, I know I let you down this past year. I'm going to be better you are living in this camp, and that is a curse. Come to this camp. You are, if you're here, you're probably already saying, look, I've already put my faith in Jesus. Then having put your faith in Jesus, why are you walking as though you haven't? If you've put your faith in Jesus, why are you holding yourself to a standard that God doesn't hold you to? If you've put your faith in Jesus and righteousness has been revealed, why do you continue to assume it's based off of your performance this week? Take a breath. Oh, man, like there's fresh air there. No one, the Bible says, no one 
can be justified before God by the law. But the righteous live by what? Faith. The law is not faith. Rather, the one who does them has life by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Catch this. Christ fulfilled the curse of the law. He fulfilled it perfectly. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 3, what the law could not do, weakened as it was through our flesh, Christ did in fulfilling the law. Christ bore the curse of the law, walked it perfectly, and therefore now has attributed his righteousness to, all who, to us who believe. Christ uh, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing, right, works, performance comes with a curse, the blessing of faith is that we receive the spirit, that we receive life, that we receive redemption, that we receive forgiveness. How? You believe. You believe. That brings us to this application. Our application is this. We are unashamed of the gospel for it has given us life and righteousness. You can think about this in a couple of ways. Maybe sometimes it's hard to think uh, of being unashamed. Uh, so you could think of it this way. We boast in the gospel for it has given us life and righteousness. We rejoice in the gospel for it has given us life and righteousness. I am ashamed of a lot of things in my life. I remember it would be stupid to say I remember all of them. I remember the majority of them vividly. The ways that I am embarrassed or ashamed, some of them... Uh, some of them sinful things, some of them just stupid, petty, embarrassing things. I think back on a conversation, don't worry, I did the math in the first service, so I don't have to do it for you now. I think back on a conversation from 34 months and three weeks ago. I told the first service it was 35 months. It's really a, a week short of that. I think back on a conversation and I go, man, what should I have done differently? How could I have handled that differently? I should have been better. I need to be better. I'll be better in future conversations. I look back on this past year, 2021, and for me, um, I read the Bible probably less than I had in some previous years. And, and I just go, man, I, I screwed up. I need to be better this year. I think of things that I, I need to do better. I think, man, I'm trying to raise these boys and they're going to be gone way quicker than I expect them to be gone because time, though fixed, feels relative. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, man, I need to be a better father, better husband to Michelle. And I think about all the things that maybe I need to do better at, all the things that, that I need to spiritually excel at. I think of having tried three or four times to teach myself Greek and every time getting about three months in and then quitting and going, okay, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to do it, right? And I'm ashamed that I'm not a better pastor for you guys. I promise you, if you show up here for a couple of weeks and then you're not here for a week, I'm going to think it's because of the sermon I preached last. I guarantee it. You know? I just, all the time. I'm already regretting some stuff from the first service. I sat here and realized I didn't say hi to you yet when you came in. I was like, say hi to her before she leaves. Otherwise, she's going to think you're rude. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, all the time, this is my head. All the time. On top of that, you want to know what else is in my head? On top of that, I think back to ninth grade. Being about 5'1". Size 12 foot already. I looked like a clown. My nose was an adult-sized nose. My face was still a boy face. I only know that because my mom and my sister said, man, I hope you grow into that nose. 
And they said that a little too often, you know? Uh, I was weak, super weak. I was in ninth grade. I was about 86, 87 pounds. We had a day off in PE. I was in the weight room. There were some guys that I hoped would be my friends. They weren't going to be. Uh, but uh, uh, they said, hey, see if you can bench press the bar. I knew I couldn't. They knew I couldn't, which was the joke, right? So I decided to do it to save face. I lay down on the bench. They lifted the bar off. This 45-pound bar dropped on my neck, and I'm still embarrassed about that. Still. To the point where I said one of my goals for 2022 is to bench press my own weight. Never done that. That'd be awesome. Because of a shame that I carry from ninth grade. Want one more? I think about the time how in fifth grade, I was a super cool kid. I collected stickers. Not the kind you find in your yards. Um, I know. I had awesome stickers. You know, you wanted to make me happy. Give me a package of stickers for my birthday. I'm not kidding, man. Like there's a part of me that kind of hoped my kids would be into that so I could relive it because (laughs) somewhere along the way I lost my sticker notebook, you know, (laughs) Micah and Pierce are no longer going to want to associate with me. There was a girl, I won't mention her full name here because who knows, maybe she listens. There was a girl in fifth grade named Monica. I liked Monica. So one day I took her some of my best stickers in fifth grade. (laughs) That did not go very well for me. I still think about that. I am really glad I've nailed this down with Michelle because of the, the whole putting yourself out there scene terrifies me. There are things to this day that I'm still embarrassed of and ashamed of. There are things that I've done and said and people whose hearts I've broken and sins that I've committed that weigh on me now from last week and last month and 35 months ago rounding up and... 35 years ago. Anybody else? Don't raise your hand. Man, the shame. And I just, I would love to have something in my life that I'm not ashamed of because I'm very ashamed of Ryan all the time. All the time I'm ashamed of Ryan. I don't need your help in that area. Trust me, I'm inventing plenty of ways to be ashamed of myself all the time. Some of them legitimate, some of them not. I need something in my life that I can be unashamed of. So Ryan, who lived in his own head from 15 to 25, also fell into a clinical depression. I spent about 18 hours a day in bed. I barely ate. I could barely function. I didn't sleep for the 18 hours a day I was in bed because I had nightmares every night, and I was terrified of the dark. At 18 and 19 and 20 years old, I'm sleeping with a light on in my room because I don't want to sleep because of how scary the dreams were at night. I could barely function. I could barely keep any relationships I couldn't stand myself, and that's Ryan living in the headspace of, you're not performing well. I was a Christian already. I knew that Jesus loved me and that my sins were forgiven and that one day I would go to heaven, but there hadn't been any application in my day-to-day life yet. My eternity was secure, but my day-to-day life was crumbling. Maybe some of you are feeling that same thing. I know that Jesus loves me. I'm going to go to heaven one day, but what about now? That's the kind of the question I would be asking. Today I'm devastated. Today I'm broken. Today I'm a shell of myself. And I began to read the Bible when I was 19. And as I got into the scripture more and more, I had read about a guy named George Mueller. George Mueller was born in 1805, died in 1898, became a Christian at 20 years old at college when he was invited to a Bible study. From the time he was 20 years old to the time he died at 93 years old, he read the Bible over 200 times in his life. And this dude clearly knew God. And I thought, dude, this guy is different than me. What makes him different than me? And the decision that I came to, the answer that I landed on was he knew the scripture and therefore knew God better than I knew God. 
See, I told you earlier, you don't have to read the Bible to please God. You don't. That's 100% true. But we do want to be people who know God, and we live in a society where we're literate and we have the Bible accessible to us. It's a really great way to know more about who God is. It will not change how he feels about you at all, but it will certainly change how you feel about him. And one of the things that became interesting to me as I began to read the scriptures more is I realized that God's love for me was not limited to my eternity, but also for right now. And that the freedom and the grace that he had given to me was still part of the deal of faith. That faith for me was not just eternity, but faith for me was also a blessing today. And when I quit living in the headspace of Ryan, who cannot measure up and who will not measure up and who probably I will always be ashamed of to some degree, when I quit living in that headspace and I begin to live in the headspace where I say, I am unashamed of Jesus. I am unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe and in the gospel God's righteousness is uncovered for us so that now it is no longer a matter of me but completely a matter of him. Oh I could catch my breath for the first time. Some of you Christians you've put your faith in Jesus for eternity. You're saved. Your Christianity is not in jeopardy, but you're still living like now he's tagged you in and it's your responsibility. No, 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 no. The righteousness is by faith for faith, starting with faith and completing with faith, finishing with faith, not starting by faith and then passed off to Ryan, starting by faith and finishing by faith. I put my faith in Jesus February 1st, 1979, and whatever day I die, I will have maintained righteousness through there, not because I have carried myself in a certain way, but because I have believed a certain truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, dead, buried, raised from the dead for my sins, for forgiveness, for righteousness, for life. Freedom from sin, freedom from death, Romans 6. Being called a child of God, holy and beloved, a saint instead of a sinner. Man, I will boast in that. I will be unashamed of that. This might be really difficult for you to apply to your own life because you've carried your own shame for so long that the idea that God could actually love you unconditionally, that he loves you and he has given you righteousness just because you believe and not because of who you are, that might be really hard for you to apply to yourself, but my guess is it would be really easy for you to apply to somebody else. Somebody else who's, un, who's ashamed of themselves, who you see wallowing, who you see broken, who you see decimated. You can go now to them and say, listen, I've got good news for you. The righteousness of God has been revealed, not based on your performance, but based on the fact that you have believed in the one and only Son of God who gave himself up for you. And the more you're able to encourage those around you with you, at some point, your own ears will hear your own voice. And at some point, maybe it will be, it'll be believable in your own life. Okay, all right. Ryan has plenty to be ashamed of, but you know what Ryan does not have to be ashamed of? Jesus, and I'm gonna choose to live in that space instead. I promise you, Ryan will have something to be ashamed of brand new next week. I guarantee it. Invented or otherwise, invented or otherwise, I will have something else I'm ashamed about next week. But I don't have to be ashamed of Christ. 
Those of you who are going, man, my marriage is not where I want it to be. My relationship with my kids is not where I want it to be. There is so much brokenness. There is so much hurt. There is so much pain. We inflicted so much harm on one another. All these relationships that are broken, all these people that are hurting. The question that comes to our mind, and it's the wrong question, but I understand why it comes to our mind. The question that comes to our mind is, what do I do to fix this? How do I make it better? Short answer is, you don't. Believe in Christ. Let his righteousness be revealed to you. And trust in God who spoke the universe into existence, who knows all of your days before one of them came to be. Trust enough in him that the righteousness that he has given you and the spirit that he has put in you and the blood that has been shed for your sins, trust that that is enough to begin to make you more like him. Oh man, the weight, the curse of the performance, the curse of the law, the curse of duty and responsibility, the weight of that will bear you into your grave if you let it. We have something better to offer people. Believe. Believe. And if you're sitting there going, man, it seems a little too easy, praise God. Because the other option is be perfect. Christianity for too long has offered a middle ground. You're never going to be perfect, but here are the things you should do. Anybody ever heard that sermon before? Anybody ever read that Christian book before? Look, look, I'm not saying to be perfect, but do these 158 things. You've heard that story. We at the 456 believe that the Bible offers a completely different story. We believe what the Bible offers is, here's the good news. You are loved. Through Christ Jesus' blood, you are forgiven. Believe. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, those who believe, salvation is for them. And the righteousness of God is revealed to them. And then 18 through 23, and those who don't believe, they uncover the wrath. Oh, man. Blessing. Maybe you have some goals for this new year. I do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just roll with it. But don't let your goals for this new year believe be because you believe you let God down last year. I, I'm just going to be really honest with you. If you are the most broken, wicked person in the room right now, if you're the most broken, wicked person in the room right now, I, I, I just have really great news for you. Believe. Your righteousness is a matter of faith. You may have broken some hearts. You may have burned some bridges. But how you stand before God has not moved at all. Believe. I'm sure there are other things that I said in the first sermon that I forgot to say in this one, but that'll work. <laughs> so let's pray this. God, we thank you that our righteousness is a matter of faith in the gospel. And then I've added, since I sent this slide to Pierce, a matter of faith in the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Not just any good news, the good news of Jesus. We ask that you would give us boldness in our love for you. Would you take just a moment to pray that? Thank God for the righteousness that has been uncovered through the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Ask God to give you a boldness to be unashamed.
Lord God, we rejoice today in the incredible good news of the gospel. The good news of the story of Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and raised from the dead. His blood sufficient for our forgiveness and our righteousness. We who have named the name Jesus, we who have put our faith in you, we sit here before you today righteous, holy, forgiven, loved, adored, free from the power of sin, free from the power of death. And all the things that we have carried into this week, this morning, all the brokenness that we have contributed to, all the hearts that we've wounded, all the pains that we've amassed, all the suffering, all the things that we're ashamed of, God, we lay at your feet today and we rejoice that these are not the things that determine whether or not we're righteous. All these sins and all these brokenness and all these embarrassments aren't even the things that determine the kind of people we'll be tomorrow. By our faith, we are saved. By our faith, righteousness, God, has been revealed to us. Not of our work, but of yours. For your name and your renown and your glory and your honor forever and ever.